Waiting on a tax return? Hopefully it ends up in your hands. Fraudulent tax returns due to identity theft increased by 30% in 2023. If you're in a bind this tax season, LifeLock can help. Our U.S.-based restoration specialists are experts dedicated to helping solve your identity theft issues. And all LifeLock plans are backed by the Million Dollar Protection Package. So we'll reimburse you up to the limits of your plan if you lose money due to identity theft. Help protect your information this tax season with LifeLock. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com aware. Five oh six on a Friday for Nelson Holmes. Brought to you by Nelson Holmes. Supplying home packages and RTMs for over 60 five years. He is the Riders quarterback Cody Fajardo and there is a burning question Cody in the office I'm going to need your take on. Are you prepared? I think I'm prepared. Alright, uh, there is a, a certain person in our office who said the fra- the following phrase today Lasagna and pierogies are overrated. Your takes on that sir. Sorry, say that one more time. You so, cut in and out. One he, more time. He said lasagna and pierogies are overrated. Okay, I'm not a big pierogi guy, okay. and lasagna is not my go-to Italian Italian feast. So Ooh. I'm gonna have to, yeah, I'm gonna have to agree with that. That's two in favor of uh, of our uh, our anti lasagna. All right, all right. I I am staunchly in favor of both, but there is room for for disagreement on this one. It, it, there is. How how is the your hard week? part with lasagna? Is it's just super heavy. And anytime oh, I eat lasagna, I just feel super heavy. It's just thick, and uh, I mean, it's just a lot to take down. Well, it you then get some Caesar salad on the side, and you can pretend Caesar salad is healthy, right? And you you fool yourself out. <laughs> no but, doubt, I'm a, I'm a salad guy. I crush the salad. I'm I'm right there with you. But uh, yeah, yeah, I just it's heavy, man. It's just heavy. Oh, give me a pound of lasagna at a local restaurant. I'm uh, I'm all in. I'm all in. Of course. <laughs> I, I'm in no way resemble a pro athlete, so there may be a co- a connection there. <laughs> let's let's talk some football. Uh, I I gave out the hot take a couple weeks ago uh, that Drew Brees is a hundred percent finished, and it provides the basis for our first part of our conversation. I just want to know if you want to weigh in on Drew Brees is finished. No way, a hundred percent. I mean, he hasn't looked good the last two games. I'll give him that. Last game especially, but that's a good um, Las Vegas Raiders team. And also, you got to think he's missing his top receiver. And anytime you go into a game plan without your best receiver, which is arguably one of the best in the league, um, it's going to make you feel not as comfortable or as confident in the pocket. So I think if Michael Thomas comes back uh, pretty soon here and Drew Brees is not playing at a high level, then I, I'll be on the bandwagon with you. But I'm too big of a Brees fan to write him off just yet. I respect that. Uh, what what led me to that is uh, average depth of target for Breeze this season is under five yards. It's a yard and a half down from last year. And his accuracy, as the passes have gotten shorter, you'd expect his accuracy to go up. And it's actually gone down as well. So that really, that really terrifies me. But it, it led me to think about quarterbacks with big arms and I wanted to dive into that a little bit when you think of your peers in the CFL Cody name me one 15 whatever you think quarterbacks in the CFL who have big arms uh right off the top of my head Dom Davis is one guy that I think about just watching him in warm-ups it just seemed like it came so easily for him to throw the ball down the field um with ease uh, so him, I would say Brian Bennett and both uh, Dave Watford. I got to see both of them 
actually in the locker room and throw every single day, so I'm a little bit more biased there. <laughs> but those two guys had absolute cannons for arms. And for me, who's not as talented with a, a strong, really strong arm, it's tough when you're competing, especially against those guys, for a spot on the roster. You uh, you try to do a little bit too much at, at times and, and say they throw the ball down the field 60 yards. I know personally for me, I just I can do it, but I'm not going to be as accurate. So you have to kind of get in your own way where you're not worrying about what they're doing with their throws, more about what you're doing with your throws. That's interesting. You, you feel like when you're in a competition situation like that, like our arm strength is going to pop out to coaches and coaches will take notice of that? No doubt. Yeah, I think that's a, I think that's a big thing about how to get noticed because – a lot of guys will stick around because they have strong arm talents. And one of the guys I'm thinking uh, off my head is Brandon Bridge. That guy, I mean, I, I spent some time with him. Actually, funny story, me and him were actually roommates at the NFL Combine. So we got to know each other pretty well. And he was one of the most talented arm strength-wise guys uh, there was. And I think that's where you can see why guys could stick around in a league for a long time because – when you get an arm talent dialed in with accuracy, then you're a pretty dynamic quarterback. But the hard part is to train arm strength. And me training quarterbacks now and today, it's hard to tell these guys that there's only so much you can do to get the ball to go further or harder out of your hand. So a lot of that is some God-given talent that you have. That's interesting. As I ran through the numbers from 2019, uh, you had the third deepest average depth of target, about 10.5 yards downfield. Wh where do you think – describe your arm, strong to noodle. Where does it, where does it fall on the, on the strong to noodle continu continuum? If I were to go – yeah, if I were to go like a 1, one to 10, I'm probably a 7.5. I would say I'm, I'm slightly above average, but uh, there's definitely a lot of guys with more – uh, arm talent in terms of throwing the ball, but I think one of my great. Nope, we had a little dropout. Is oh. Being some of these guys who can just throw it a country mile. Oh, hello. Oh, we lost you it for a sec, Cody. You're back. Okay. Yeah. So uh, I would say for me, I don't know how much you thought of that, but for me personally, I would say I'm about a seven and a half, just yeah. slightly above average in terms of arm strength. But one of my greatest attributes is being accurate with my deep ball. Um, I think a lot of times these guys who can throw it a country mile uh, struggle with having the accuracy down the field. So, yeah, it looks good when you throw it 80 yards in a game or in practice, but if you're not completing the football, it really doesn't matter. Unprompted, Cody gives my testimony about the Buffalo Bills' Josh Allen. I love how this all works together. <laughs> I, I, was trying to, uh, I was trying to dig up some numbers to kind of see, okay, are there numbers that kind of tell us who has the biggest arm in the CFL? So, so here's kind of what I came up with, Cody, and tell me good, bad, and then I'll tell you who came out on top. I, I thought, okay, well, I'm only going to look at quarterback throws from the pocket. Uh, I want to see guys throwing out routes to the, to the wide side of the field. And I wanted to look at balls that were outside of the far-sided hash mark more than arbitrary distance was 10 yards downfield. Is that, I assume that's a, a th at least one of the throws that would take a strong arm to make. No doubt. I think the one that you'd maybe have to add to that is throwing on the run. And the reason oh, why interesting. is when you throw on the run, you lose your legs. And so you can't transfer power from your back hip through your body and out through your throw. So... When you are on the run, it is a lot of right-arm talent if you're a right-hander or left-arm talent if you're left-hander. And so I think that's one of the things that people need to understand. If you can throw the ball down the field on the run, then, yes, you have a very strong arm. A lot of these guys can just 
muscle up from their legs, which is really strong, and then it kind of comes out their right arm. But really, to test true arm talent, it's on the run, I believe. It, well, that's that's when you say Dom Davis. Uh, in that Week 2 game, Dom had a few of those throws that made you that blew your hair back a little bit of, wow, this guy's on the move and he's ripping the ball into the tight end of the end zone. Oh, okay, I get it. I see what's, I see what's happening here. And, no doubt, and that's what turns heads, right? Is, uh, and especially, you got to think, when you're going to a workout, uh, NFL, CFL, doesn't matter. If the team brings you in for a workout, you're throwing in shorts and a T-shirt. and So it's not like you have pads on. So you can really let it rip. And most of the time, there's no clock on you. So you can just drop back, settle in, and throw the ball. And that, if you are a good shorts and T-shirts thrower, you will no. get signed by a lot of NFL teams. Uh, and we've seen a, more than a few of those cases uh, in, in the CFL as well. Uh, for the for the ones I uh, numbers I pulled out, Jeremiah Masoli actually came out quite high in that he throws a lot of uh, deep outs to the field side. I thought that I thought that was surprising. Well, I was I was caught by surprise by that. But then when I think of the weapons he has on that side of the field, I guess it makes sense to me that Masoli comes out really highly in at least the ability to throw deep outs to the wide side. Yeah, you also got to remember they got uh, Tommy Condell as their offensive coordinator, yep. a guy who loves looking at statistics. And statistically, throwing the field side, you're actually a little bit more, uh, I would say, in terms of having the opportunity of completing it a little bit better because usually the lesser talented uh, DBs play the field side. So I think that a lot of that has to play into uh, Tommy Condell being an offensive coordinator. But you talk about a guy like Masoli who is just a brute, solid muscle uh, he's going to be able to make every throw on the field just because that guy is, is so strong. Yeah, uh, no surprise. Bo Levi Mitchell and Mike Riley both have a bunch of those throws. Uh, Cody, on those particular throws, I have you for your career as 5 of 8, so completing 63%. Uh, just saying, I have Isaac Harker as 1 of 1, completing 100%. So, uh, you know, you you have that for... Uh, Isaac's got that Dang, one on you. I'm going to have to get after Isaac. I'm going to say, hey, throw a couple more to the field. Let's <laughs> yeah number is a little bit more realistic <laughs> so the and so here's the here's the thing as we talked to the riders quarterback cody fajardo there there are obviously a, a bunch of ways that quarterbacks can compensate for not having a huge arm i mean drew Brees, i don't think has ever had a huge arm in his 50 years in the in the national football league uh, what what kind of things if you if you aren't blessed with a with a cannon pretend your 7.5 was a 5.0 how would you what would you need to to be a successful passer? Yeah, that's a good question. I, we already talked a little bit about accuracy, but I think mm -hmm. more importantly, um, it's the delivery time. It's how fast you can get the ball out of your hand, and you have to have good feet. If your feet are bad and you have no arm strength, you're going to struggle to make a lot of throws because you, sometimes when you don't have a strong or talented enough arm, you're going to have to accelerate your and you're going to have to get the ball out of your hand a lot quicker, and you're going to have to be really good at film study to understand how early can I let go of this ball to still complete it down the field, right? Because there's nothing better for a defense than a quarterback that can't throw it down the field. You just sit at the sticks and you just hunt all game long. So you have to prove that you can throw it down the field. And, and I shared the Ricky Ray story where mm. he knew his last couple years, 45 yards was his max he can throw. 
And so it didn't matter if the guy was wide open. If he went over 45 yards, he would just go right to his check down right now. The ball would come out on time. And he'd still complete it to his running back for a check down. That would get a 7 or 10. And we'd look on film and be like, hey, we missed a touchdown here. But he'd be like, look, I, ha- I run the risk of underthrowing it, the DB making a play, and that's an interception. So he's like, I'd rather take the for sure completion to the running back. And that takes a lot of um, – mindset and understanding your own talents and your weaknesses and playing the game according to how your body is feeling you mentioned getting the ball out fast is that is that mechanical of i have i have a fast from when i decide to throw it to it's out or is that or is there anticipation layered into that too I think it depends on coverage uh, a lot of the times, too. If I'm seeing press coverage, a lot of times I'm not going to hold on to the ball. Um, I want to get the ball out of my hands quickly. I want to get it into my playmaker's hands a lot quicker. And it also helps my offensive line when they feel the balls out in, you know, one second minimum. uh, It it makes them feel a lot better up front, too. So uh, I think it depends on coverage. But, yeah, getting if if the corner's off and he's playing soft coverage, um, you're going to have to hold on to it a little bit longer just so the receiver could catch him in terms of the distance. Okay. Uh, so I think that's where you got to run the risk of uh, when to throw it based on how, how early you can throw it based on coverage. All right. All right. He's the Riders quarterback, Cody Fajardo, with us on the Western Pizza Hotline. We'll, we'll talk about the story of Tyrod Taylor, the Chargers quarterback. And uh, Cody will hopefully tell us some of the stories of what he had to go through in advance of the West Final as far as pain-killing shots in the ribs. Cody's obviously went better than Tyrod Taylor's did. We'll keep talking to the Riders quarterback on a Fajardo Friday next on The Cage. 521 with the afternoon rush. It's for oddshark.net. For sports odds, you find your edge at oddshark.net. Game four of the Stanley Cup final is tonight. Tampa leads Dallas two games to one. They'll play tonight and tomorrow in the first back-to-back Stanley Cup final since uh, 2009. Back to tonight. Cody Fajardo Friday, DT. Let's get back to it. Always enjoy it. And uh, we talk to the Riders quarterback every Friday on the cage. Uh, Cody, you told us the story in Reunited in Green of what you had to go through the day of the West Final. And uh, I I particularly enjoyed what the doctor was wearing when you rolled into the hospital. If you you would, just that morning, what what did you have to do to, to play with those two torn oblique muscles? Yeah, so I uh, I woke up, and uh, luckily my dad was in town, so um, we went and over to the hospital. It was pretty packed, um, and so they snuck us in the back of the hospital, and the doctor wasn't supposed to work that day, but uh, obviously the writer's having some clout. It helped me out, and so he showed up in his writer, writer gear. They uh, kind of escorted me to this back room uh, to get my shot in my side, and it's funny you mentioned the Tyrod Taylor thing. Well, they had this doctor in particular was one of the best at um, giving these types of shots because you had to use an ultrasound with it to make sure that you're not going to puncture the lung. So basically, they put this ultrasound on me, and then they inject this needle inside of my oblique, um, and they get to see how far it's going and how close it is to my lung. And so, uh, very, I mean, I was very scary stuff. I already got the same shot um, on Wednesday. during the week and so I was kind of used to it I was a little bit nervous because if something happened on game day that made it worse um, I wasn't going to be able to play so uh, but just giving that whole thing I'm pretty much laying on my side and I just remember my dad uh, after we left my dad was just saying you're one tough 
uh, SOB because the size of that needle was, was pretty big. But I never got to see the needle, and I'm glad I did it because uh, it would probably freak me out just a little bit more. Uh, like never having taken a shot like that, I, I had no idea that potentially you know poking a hole in the lung was, was a possible consequence or, or side effect. You, you knew that was you knew it was at least remotely possible that that was something that the doctor had to be cautious of. No doubt. And that's why, yeah, and that's why it made it so tough because we had to go to um, the specific doctor that could uh, orchestrate this ultrasound while injecting your side. And that was one thing I said, I'm not going to just allow a doctor to put the needle in my side because it was too close to my lung. I want to have it on the ultrasound. And they said, not a problem. And so uh, had we win that game, have won that game, they would have uh, had to fly the doctor out to Calgary um, for the Grey Cup to also give me probably another two shots during the, the Grey Cup week. Really? There, you, weren't, you weren't going with anybody else? There was no Calgary doctor that you were going with? There's no other doctor you were going to trust? At that point, no way. Yeah. No, um, I, I've already, I, I would have been in two, and they both went very successfully, and I felt really good during the game and during practice afterwards. And so um, when you get comfortable with a doctor, that's one thing uh, I personally, I kind of just commit to that doctor and I have full confidence in them, especially after you've proven to do the job successfully. And the last thing you want to do is be in the Grey Cup and then something happens like the Tyrod Taylor incident and now you can't even start the start the Grey Cup because you went with a different doctor. So that, that would be uh, would have been a scary uh, week for sure. We we talked about this uh, the Tyrod Taylor this week, and we talked about TSN did a tremendous documentary called The Problem of Pain, and it was about the NHL, and it was specifically the use of Toradol in the NHL, and that this this medication, this powerful anti-inflammatory that people should use, according to the guy who helped invent it, for no more than five days, guys would get upwards of a hundred shots of it a year, and then lo and behold, uh, they're on the documentary, you know, talking about. They now have holes in their colon and colitis and side effects that they say nobody made them aware of. So I was curious to ask you, when it comes to things like that particular painkilling shot that you took a couple times that week, how much do you ask? How much do you study up on? How much do you consult your wife on when it comes to things like painkillers? Yeah, for me personally, I'm not a big pill guy. I do not like taking pills. Um, So painkiller-wise, pills-wise, I will not take any. I don't even like taking Advil. Um, so personally for me, I, I always, uh, go into my process of what I'm doing and is it going to be a long occurring thing with the shot? I knew it was going to be only during the time I was playing, which was at most would have been four shots in two weeks, which I feel like my body can recover and hopefully be, uh, healthy off of that. The last thing you want to do is get on these pills on a week to week basis and you're just overloading your liver and everything in your body. Um, and so, and that's the issue is a lot of these guys get addicted to it or them just taking it makes them feel better. Let's me know when something is seriously wrong and lets me know when something is just uh, hurting. We're all going to be hurting towards the end of the year. We're playing a very physical game, but when you mask that, a lot of times it leads to more uh, issues. In college, I did take the Tordal shot. I had a back spasm issue, and I took it for about, I don't know, five or six weeks. But uh, it's interesting because they only let certain players get the Toradol shot. Only the guys I would assume are essential starters um, would Mm. get it. And I don't know if that's not obviously a good thing, but uh, for me, I I definitely went, I think it was about five or six weeks 
getting those shots in my back, and it, it was pretty brutal. And uh, looking and reading all this stuff now, I had no idea about it. I was, was young and felt like I was invincible. But if I were to be um, pressed with that situation today in professional football, I would take the time to let my body recover um, unless it's the playoffs and it's just something to get me through the one week, two weeks, at most three weeks. When you say it was pretty brutal, what do you what do you mean it was pretty brutal? I would just say just going in and taking and getting a shot every single time and then going out and playing after you got this shot. It's just a, a mindset thing as well. Um, last thing you, you want to do on game day is feel like you are getting shot up so you can play, right? Mm. Um, even though it does help. But uh, when you get in the game, you're just wondering, is this next hit going to be the hit that goes for good and I can't play ever again, right? And so that that's the issue you run into is more of a, a mindset as opposed to just getting these shots. Um, and, and that's what I struggled with. And you got it. You have you cannot be, I guess, mentally weak and, and let your thoughts, wild thoughts, take over because you won't be able to perform in the game. Well, and, and talking about mentally weak, like that's – that's one of the things that in this documentary, the hockey players and the hockey mentality, and I'm going to fight through it all, and it's the toughest trophy to win. It's the playoffs. And then you just see 10 years later how bodies are destroyed, and Ryan Kessler, a longtime NHLer, talked about having to go to the bathroom 30 to 40 times a day. And, you know, if I play with my kids at the age of 35, I'm going to feel it the next day. I don't, I'm, I'm, how much does that, how much does your post career are you thinking of while you're in the, I mean, on the serious rise of your career? How much are you thinking about your life after football? A lot, especially any head injuries, especially for me. Um, uh, I think you can always get a job making money. You're not going to make quite the money you're making as a professional athlete, but uh, at least being there for your kids, being there for your grandkids is what it's all about, I think, for me. Um, some guys are different. Some guys want to make as much money as they can. And also you got to think about guys in situations where they know that uh, they got to use these next one or two games to prove themselves to maybe they're in a contract year or maybe mm. there's a young guy behind them that uh, is pushing them for their starting job. And so a lot of times you'll see that and you'll see these guys kind of say, hey, I'll do anything I can to stay on the ice, stay on the field, stay on the court, just so that I don't lose my job. And that's the scary thing, right? You look at Tyrod Taylor, he's out, and Herbert comes in, and he plays very well. And now the question goes, if Herbert continues to play well, is Tyrod Taylor ever going to get a shot again when, uh, like a shot at being the starting quarterback? And so young athletes see that, right? And you see that, and you read about it, and it's called getting lollipipped, right? And Basically, now when you get in that situation, you want to do whatever you can to stay on the field. And I, I told myself, if I ever got the opportunity, because it's so hard, you would have to take me off on a stretcher. I, I would have to be that messed up um, because I'm not giving my spot up because I worked so hard to get it. Well, and then in the NFL, like uh, it, the difference between employment and unemployment can be $40 million a year, right? Like, I, 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 when when you're put to the test at 35, you you feel like you'll you feel like at, at at your age now you'll know what you'll do at 35. But I, I I just wonder when when you see the end is closer than the beginning is, uh, man, uh, hard decisions that athletes have to make. And that and that's a big point, and that's something I talked with Ricky Ray about a lot, and and especially when he had his neck injury, I you know I questioned, I said. Are, are you walking away? Are you completely done with the game? And, and he was still kind of iffy about it. And that's 
it's it's the competitor in you. It's the I want to play as long as I can. It's the I don't want to go out like that. There's mm-hmm. a lot of outlying factors that uh, play in your mind when making that decision. Luckily for a guy like Ricky Ray, he's got such a great supporting cast and a lot of people, and he's played tremendously throughout his career. It's a Hall of Fame career that uh, he didn't have anything to prove, right? He didn't have to go out there and prove it. But some guys get in a situation where maybe they had a down year the year before, or maybe they haven't played well uh, in the last three or four years. And so they're just trying to, they'll say, oh, I'm coming back because I got to try and make a, a chance to have a great career. And that's scary. Yeah, when when Ricky said after that uh, 19th season, after the season in which he broke his broke a bone in his neck, he said, "Oh no, I don't regret coming back." I thought, "Wow, that is a real that's a real insight into uh, his mind and and a football player's mind of I could have retired having won a Grey Cup in 17, but I came back and yeah, I broke my neck a little bit, but I don't regret it." I thought, "Wow, that is that's really telling and really powerful." And that's exactly it, and and that's the risk you run. Uh, the older you get and you continue to try and play and trying to play at a high level is that that injury bug is going to come sooner or later. It's very uh, few far in between when a guy just gets to have a whatever 10, 15 year career and not have to deal with a significant injury, right? That's yeah. like very rare. So for a guy like Ricky who, who had an injury bug later in his year and, and he was getting hurt, you know, pretty often, um, yeah, I talked to him a lot about if he's coming back or not, and uh, and he just seemed like he, he wanted to prove that he can go out and do it again. And um, I, I kept telling him, I was like, if I'm in your situation, I'm riding off in the sunset like Peyton Manning and, uh, and calling it a day. But I guess everybody has different mindsets. Yeah, 100%. Cody, I appreciate your insight on this. I, I You know I always enjoy talking football with you. With, and this was an area I'm, I wasn't sure you wanted to uh, to delve into. Uh, maybe, uh, but I appreciate that you, that you did. It's uh, it's it's fascinating, and it's it kind of it's what separates pro athletes from the the rest of us who who love sports. So thanks for that. Yeah, no problem. I think it, it's good to have people listen to that too, and, and mm. how much more goes into it to just playing football. But there's a lot of risks you take with your body just to get out on the field and perform and entertain and be a guy that. Uh, people can count on like one of the hardest things i think about being a professional athlete is letting down fans when you're injured like we have no plans of missing a game but when you miss a game and then fans come out and they say you're soft or you're not tough and you have they have no idea what the deeper line issues are and so i think it's better if the more fans can be educated on how much stuff some of those players put our bodies through just to go out there and perform and give the cha- uh, team the best chance to win. Yeah, if I never heard from a fan again, oh, I'd do his job for free. I'm like, no, no, the hell you wouldn't. No, no, I would not play pro football for free. There's no chance. It might be cool, but then uh, Odell Willis is going to turn me inside out and I'll never be the same. There's no way. It's definitely not all candy canes and unicorns. <laughs> I'll tell you that much. Cody, thanks so much, man. Be well. Yeah, of course. Thank you. He's the Riders quarterback, Cody Fajardo. He joins us every Friday for Fajardo Fridays on the Western Pizza Hotline. Dine in once again at Western Pizza. Contact your local Western Pizza location for their dine-in hours. This segment of the show brought to us by Kevin's Marine. Make the most of summer with a boat or pontoon from Kevin's Marine. Kevin'sMarine.com. Fantasy guru Andy McNamara next on The Cage.